0: So how do you all react when someone does something just really mean to you? Years and years ago, I was talking to Denise about an anonymous letter I received from someone who just really was not happy with me. And as I was talking to her about this letter and what my feelings were about this letter, I did not realize there were other ears listening to me. And those little ears belonged to my five-year-old Daniel at the time. And uh, Daniel walked into the kitchen where Nisi and I were talking, put his hands on his hips, and he said, I'm going to get my gun. And I'm just going to go shoot him. And I guess his mother taught him that. (laughs) How in the world would a five-year-old kid growing up in a loving preacher's home (laughs) understand at that stage about revenge? Revenge is a harsh word. It sounds kind of mean. So I just prefer to use return the favor. We all know we're not supposed to seek revenge. We've been told that it does more harm to us than it does to the person against whom we are angry. Maybe revenge is something like uh, eating a a quart of ice cream. It tastes and feels so good at the start, but at the end, you get a stomachache. Revenge does feel good, but it doesn't always feel so good. So in this series in which we're talking about the wisdom of uh, Ted Lasso, I want us to understand that I'm going to be talking about a few things that might be triggers for us. So just be, keep, be safe and, and keep yourself in a safe mental condition today and take care of yourself. Yeah, the wisdom of Ted Lasso, today's that wisdom is this. Don't fight back. Fight forward. And here's the story. It involves this uh, player named Sam. Sam owns a restaurant that has become the target of a hate crime. The fictional individual in the Ted Lasso series was the Homeland Secretary, the Home Secretary in charge of immigration there in Great Britain. And that uh, character is turning away a boatload of refugees from Nigeria that were coming to uh, the shores of Great Britain. So, Sam sends a very mild tweet calling on that Home Secretary, appealing to her better angels to reconsider what she is doing. And the Home Secretary tweets back these words, footballers should leave the politics to us, just shut up and dribble. For those of you who follow the news, you might be reminded of a situation back in twenty. 20- Eighteen. There was a person on a news entertainment program who was the host of that particular hour. And uh, she made a comment about LeBron James and uh, Kevin Durant, NBA players, who had made a statement about some political, cultural things that were going on. And this particular news commentator said to them, shut up and dribble. And that's where the Ted Lasso story, I believe, came from. Well, Sam goes by the restaurant, and uh, it is in absolute ruins. And here's a clip showing us what he saw when he walked into his restaurant that afternoon. Take a look. Oh, gosh. Wise words from the Ted Lasso show. Don't fight back. Fight forward. So what did you learn yourself from that scene? Well, Ted Lasso is fiction, but this sports story is fact. On April 14, 1947, Major League Baseball was a white-only sport. Not since the expulsion of black players back in 1888 had a non-Caucasian swung a bat or fielded a ball in the big show. That changed on April 15, 1947, when Jackie Robinson suited up for the Brooklyn Dodgers in, in Ebbets Field, not the restaurant on Walnut Street. <laughs> An African-American boarded a bus, segregated bus in the heart of the segregated South, takes a seat in the whites-only section. Hey, you, the bus driver yells, get to the back of the bus that the bus rider refuses. And within just a few minutes, that bus rider is arrested. We're familiar with that story, but this particular incident did not take place in Montgomery, Alabama. It took place in Fort Hood, Texas. This event didn't take place in 1955. It took place in 1944. This bus rider was not Rosa Parks. This bus rider was Lieutenant Jack Robinson. Three years before his major league debut, Jackie Robinson's actions of nonviolent resistance set a precedent on how to respond to hate, how to respond to meanness, how to respond to discrimination and racism both for himself and for leaders like Martin Luther King, Jr., who followed. It requires very little effort to show that Jackie Robinson was really a good good baseball player. All you have to do is look at the plaque from the Hall of Fame, and you'll see that he had a batting average in his career of 311. He went to the All-Star Game six times, and he was, in 1949, made the uh, named the uh, National League uh, MVP. But when Brooklyn Dodgers General Manager and President Branch Rickey chose Jackie Robinson to break the major league color barrier in 1945, it wasn't just because of Jackie Robinson's skill. He had only played one year in the Negro League and <clears throat> anyone who followed that league knew that his resume wasn't as good as Satchel Page or or uh, many other players. Branch Rickey was not looking just for someone with a smooth swing and a sweet glove. He was looking for something more. I want to show you a clip from uh, the movie 42 that came out several years ago, uh, the life story of Jackie Robinson. And uh, this shows us what Branch Rickey, the GM for the Dodgers, was really looking for in uh, the per- person who's going to break that color barrier. Take a look at this clip from the trailer. Yeah, proving that African Americans were good enough to compete against white ballplayers, that was an easy thing to do. The branch rookie was looking for a player who had a different kind of heart, who had guts. Looking for a player that would not give fuel to the bigots out there who were just looking for some black player that was going to react in such anger and hostility that it would create the symbolic enemy that bigots were craving. Now, Branch Rickey was looking for a player with guts enough not to fight back. Well, it's pretty obvious nobody in here has Jackie Robinson's baseball skills we probably wouldn't be here. But maybe having his skills on the baseball field is not what's so important. What's important is having the guts of a Jackie Robinson and knowing how to respond when somebody hurts us, when somebody is cruel and mean and disrespectful to us. Maybe Jesus is talking about those same guts. Oh, let me show you this first. Jackie Robinson, as we saw in the clip, got so many, so much hate, and many of those expressions of hate, hundreds if not thousands of letters. He got threatening to kill him. We have already got rid of several like you. One was just found in the river just recently. Robinson, we are going to kill you. If you attempt to enter a ball game at Crossley Field, the Travelers. That was in Cincinnati, nineteen fifty-one. Guts not to fight back. The words of Jesus are these. But to you who are listening, that's good, because not all of us not all of us listen, do we? Jesus knew what he was fixing to say it was gonna turn a lot of his friends into deserters. To you who are listening, I say, love your enemies. Do good to those who hate you. Bless those who curse you and pray for those who mistreat you. If someone slaps you on one cheek, turn to them the other also. If someone takes your coat, do not withhold your shirt from them. Give to everyone who asks you, and if anyone takes what belongs to you, do not demand it back. Do to others as you would have them do to you. If you love those who love you, what credit is that to you? Even sinners love those who love them. And if you do good to those who are good to you, well, what credit is that to you? Even sinners do that. If you lend to those from whom you expect repayment, What credit is that to you? Even sinners lend to sinners expecting to be repaid in full. But love your enemies. Do good to them. Lend to them without expecting to get anything back. Then your reward will be great and you will be children of the Most High because God is kind to the ungrateful and to the wicked. So be merciful just as your Father is merciful. So what do you really think about that? Followers of Jesus, I guess, are supposed to act differently than the average person toward those who are mean and cruel. We don't listen to that, though. We try to explain that away. Augustine, the 4th century scholar... And the leaders of the church, even to this day, couldn't handle that. And Augustine wrote that what Jesus meant here was that you could love your enemy in your heart. But for religious purposes and national purposes, you could kill your enemy. Is that what Jesus meant? Maybe maybe not. This is Kia Schur. She asked the question, what do you do when the worst thing that could happen, possibly happen, does happen? Well, her her daughter and husband, Alan and Naomi, traveled to Mumbai back in 2008 to attend a meditation retreat. While they were there, the hotel where they were staying was attacked by terrorists and the worst thing that could happen happened. Her husband and her daughter were killed by the terrorists. Kia was in shock. She says from her, when she was watching the news at home in the United States, as we watched the aftermath on CNN, we saw there was one lone surviving terrorist. As I looked at this photo on the television screen the words of Jesus Christ came to me, Father forgive them they know not what they do. I was not a religious person but these were the words I heard. In that moment I turned to my family and said we must forgive them. Everyone was in shock. They thought I had lost my mind. But at that moment, I just said what I felt to be true. I felt a ray of peace enter my heart. I knew it was the right thing to do. I knew the only way I could go on living was to forgive the terrorist. In those moments, I knew that forgiveness was essential, so I forgave. There's already enough hate, I told my family. We must send our love and compassion. I knew that to respond with love to an act of terror was the only way to triumph. Over terrorism. Wow. Kia, by her own admission, was not religious. What that might tell me, maybe it'll tell you this, is that I think you can be an unreligious, a non religious person, you can be an atheist, and still have a deep love within you because you're a child of God made in God's image. And the presence of love can be in you regardless of a person's religion or non-religion. She had within her this presence of love, this presence of compassion and mercy. So how in the world do we have that? Is it just we wake up one morning and it's there? Is it something we develop? I don't know. A guy named Ron um, goes to our church. He's a teacher and he's a therapist. And uh, I requested, because I knew he had written some things on forgiveness, uh, that he sent those to me. So I'm going to share with you some of the things that Ron shared with me. He said that to forgive is to determine that you hurt me. And I have a right to hurt you back. But I will not seek revenge. The benefit of forgiving is that it allows us to use the energy of anger to heal ourselves. As long as we hold our anger against another person, the body remains in a keyed up condition, cannot relax for rest and for healing. So I guess the choice comes down, do I want to expend my energy on hate or love? Do I want to expend my energy on the past, what was done to me or the present and the future on healing or on the resentment again from Ron forgiving may help the one who hurts me but it primarily helps me I think it helps us because it frees me from investing my energy in the past and helps me focus on what I can do right now today but then he makes sure that we understand that forgiving is not approving the situation. It is forgiving people. Forgiving is not excusing what happened. And forgiving is not overlooking. When we overlook what somebody did to us, we're saying that's no big deal, but it is a big deal. What was done was wrong, and what was done hurt. What was done was destructive, and it caused serious damage. And forgiving is not denying guilt or punishment. When we say to somebody that we forgive them, we forgive because there was an offense. You don't need to forgive if there's no offense. So to forgive someone, we are saying, yeah, you're guilty. You did this. I'm just not going to do it back to you. I'm just not going to pay back. Forgiving, and we've talked about this before, is not forgetting. Oh, gosh, when we're hurt, it's, it's like somebody stamps that hurt on our heart. It sears it into our heart. One of the uh, signs that I learned when I was a pastor of a deaf congregation for two years when Denise and I first got married is to forgive and the sign for forgive is just to kind of wipe it off your hand. I forgive you. And it's a good sign but it some of the hurt that you've experienced is not just something you can wipe off. Some of our hurts are seared into our being. So forgiving is not forgetting. If, if I could forget it, I wouldn't need to forgive it. Yeah. The fact that I'm forgiving someone communicates, I'm not forgetting, though. I can't just wipe it off my memory. I can't do an etch-a-sketch with my head. I'm just choosing not to pay back. I'm choosing to do you good when you did me bad. I'm choosing to give a blessing to you when you gave a curse to me. Forgiving is giving up the right to take revenge I hurt because of what you did, but I give up the right to hurt you back. I forgive you, and this is so hard and it takes me so long to do this sometimes. I forgive you and I really do wish you well. I hope good things happen to you. I'm not there yet, though. I have to come there, though. And when I got there, it was like waking up in the mountain air with the birds singing, the sun beautifully shining with the Christmas in the air, after going through a very shadowy night that I really wanted the person to hurt that hurt me to be well and to do well and to have good things happen to that person. So forgiveness is not a choice that you make for the other person. Forgiveness is a choice that I make for myself. Don't fight back. Fight forward. All right have a question about that, shoot Denise a text, and she will bring it up here, and we'll talk about that. Let's pray for a moment while they look at that. God, I don't even understand the power of forgiveness. I do know the power of forgiveness because I felt it. I know how counter it is to how many of us have been raised in our culture. So I ask that you will help us and be patient with us and to just move us very gently as you do into the teachings of Jesus to love our enemies and to do good to those who do bad to us. Those in this room upon whose heart a serious serious wound has been implanted heal them give them mercy and give them grace to move away from that hurt into wholeness on their own time move them into a place of forgiveness not for the sake of the offender but for their own sake In the name of love all over this universe, I pray. Amen.